0: Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, we mark the recent passing of the actress Doris Day. She was 97 years old when she passed recently, and we're revisiting one of her classic films in this memoriam edition of the show. We are watching 1953's Calamity Jane. Joining me to review Calamity Jane, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film, and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's David Cox! Hello again! How you doing, David? I'm good, how are you? Uh, Just for the folks at home, David, because it's been a few episodes since you're on, uh, who are you and what do you
1: do? Hi, I'm a freelance videographer slash photographer...
0: And you photograph people, presumably. I do,
1: yeah. I just uh, recently did an engagement shoot for a cute couple and they really liked their photos, which is nice. That's funny because I would just had an engagement shoot
0: where you were the photographer. Oh, I see what you've oh, done. Congrac- oh, congratulations. You got engaged? I did. Congratulations. Yes, yes. Uh, no, David, uh, very, very good uh, uh, engagement photographer uh at david cox media david cox media yeah excellent just plug plug, plug
1: slash facebook slash instagram
0: excellent uh he is very good david you've not seen calamity jane i have not what do you know about this film
1: it is a musical western with doris day in it
0: correct so far um i'm in a similar boat i i have not seen this film i've never seen it um I've seen the track list and not a lot of the songs are jumping out at me, but it might be one of those things that when we start listening, we might know what it is. Uh, For for the people who aren't in the room, which is everybody else, um, our guest who has seen the film is looking increasingly offended uh, (laughs) at the two of us, David. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess, what are you expecting then from this um, this, this musical Western?
1: Singing and sexism. That's because, you know... It's a musical, that's singing, and it's the 50s, so there's bound to be sexism.
0: Well, uh, we'll wait and see. Joining us uh, as our person who has seen the film and making her debut on the podcast, it's Anna Sheehy.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Anna, who are you and what do you do?
2: I am a moulage technician and prosthetic sculptor, which is a fancy way of saying I sit in a workshop And I make bloody bits of gore for medical professionals to play around with.
0: Cool. Uh, That sounds strikingly similar to one of our other guests, uh, Mr. Andrew David. You wouldn't happen to work with him by any chance.
2: I do work with him. Oh, wow.
0: No, he's lovely. He is lovely. Um, So, Anna, this is your first time on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Calamity Jane.
2: Calamity Jane. In a vague,
0: non-spoilery sort of way, what can David and I expect from Calamity Jane?
2: You can expect singing. Mm -hmm. David was right. Yes. I would say not to be prepared for sexism, okay, but to be prepared for some racism.
0: Ah. One of the isms. It's the other one. It's the, the other, other one. one.
2: <laughs> um, I've been watching this musical since I was, I think, about six. I didn't own it. I used to get it out of the library every week and then get it out of the library as soon as I could again to watch it again. Um, So it has a lot of very sort of nostalgic feelings for me and I have watched it recently so I'm not entirely thinking of it in like that childhood uh, glow where every movie was fantastic and nothing was wrong with it. I am aware of some of the racist (laughs) overtones of the film Mm. but I do still think it is a a plus Doris Day flick.
0: So with all that being said shall we watch Calamity Jane?
2: Yeah let's do it.
0: All right for those of you uh, listening at home pop in your DVDs and prepare to ride into Deadwood City as we watch Calamity Jane. Yeehaw. Piu pew, pew. Pew pew pew. And welcome back everybody. We have just finished watching Calamity Jane. And by we I of course mean David Cox. Hello. And Anna Sheehy. Yeehaw. Yeehaw indeed. David that was your first time watching Calamity Jane. What did you think? It was it was fun it was fun, wasn't it was it? fun. i uh, my first time watching it as well uh, i had a great time yeah it was it was really fun is the exact right word we need speak <laughs> no more it was <laughs> that's it over. thanks done. for listening everyone yeah
1: let's tune in next week month how often
0: is this up? it's weekly david <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> as you well know because you're subscribed um <laughs> Anna, Anna, I think you, you mm. when when um, you agreed to come on for your debut on this particular episode, um, you were saying beforehand that um, that you were very much looking forward to watching this film um, and that it was quite fun. Uh, what exactly is it about this film that um, uh, that you really enjoy? What what is the sort of overriding thing that makes it so fun for you?
2: I think, hmm, that's tricky. I think it is completely ridiculous at the core of it. There's so many sort of misunderstandings and not to mention sort of Doris Day's character as Calamity. She's a bit over the top. She's a bit campy. She's kind of wild and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think the friendships she makes um, and the unlikely scenarios are kind of just what keep the movie popping. Yeah, it's...
0: Okay, I mean this is a Doris Day uh memoriam episode I guess. Mm. You know, we're looking back on a significant film from her career. And we had a couple to pick from obviously with with the career she had, uh but the front runners were this Pillow Talk and The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um but this just seemed like such a su- such a vehicle for her. This was like such a big central role. You know, she is Calamity Jane and this character she's playing is so big. It is, it is one of the biggest characters I think we've seen on on any of the films
1: we've done so far. Like, she's wild, David. She's amazing. I just... It's hard to describe, like, in audio what she's like physically, but there's just this... Uh, Even I just the love facial her vibe. gymnastics yeah. of Doris
2: Day <laughs> as the character, just a constantly, like... Not a plasticine face. Like, she's not Mr. Beaning it up, but it has that quality of just constant... Uh, action and like there's mm. always something exciting happening, as well as her a character depiction. Like, they picked up things from her real life as because she was a real historical figure mm. who was an alcoholic and um probably not like the happiest person, <laughs> not a Doris Day version. Mm. But like things like her fibbing all the time, like she's telling all these outrageous stories, yeah, and, and everyone's tales. yeah, create you know, people are mocking her about it, people are having a bit of a joke because oh, you know, Kalam thinks she killed. 100 Sue or whatever. Mm. Oh, we'll dig into that later. But, you know, um, she's <laughs> saying all these things that she's done. She's getting other people to back her up. And everyone knows it's complete nonsense. Yeah, but she, that's part of her charm.
0: Yeah, she tells tall tales. She's a larger-than-life character. Um, she's unusual in that, I, I suppose, she is a woman um, mm. in, in this setting. And we were saying beforehand about, um, is, is sexism going to be a big part of this film? And then you obviously brought up the racism. Yes. I, I think it is interesting, the... Um, I suppose the 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 sort of gender politics in this film, um, because in a lot of ways it feels subversely quite progressive on certain fronts, and really uh, backwards and retrograde on others. It's it's an interesting mix. So, for example. Um,
1: the female brain that's female <laughs> thinking for you yeah
0: that was really kind of like okay we're leaning into into you know those viewpoints which were around at the time you know at the time they believed in phrenology like they were dummies in the old <laughs> west
2: like you me measure your forehead see yeah. if you're a criminal yeah yes.
0: um but but also I, I just felt there were certain things like everyone accepted who calamity was mm. but, um, partly because I suppose she was acting like such a male character though in terms of all her characteristics were male she was making big movements she was quick to anger and she'd tell you off and she'd just shoot you in the butt if you're in <laughs> a way and things like that she was like I suppose it was because she was embodying a lot of those traditionally wild male traits that she'd been accepted by the people of Deadwood
2: yeah that's the bit of the movie I think uh, when you come into it has already been set up mm. and so that would have been I mean, if yeah, if there was a longer cut of this movie, I would watch it, no doubt. I love this film. Mm. If there had been a part where you know, Calam comes to town and you see her, and everyone's like, "You're not a woman, you're a woman," mm. that sort of thing, and she she establishes herself as, "Yeah, I'm a woman," and mm. shut the hell up. I'll do what I want. Yeah, um, shut the heck up. Sorry, shut the heck up. I'll Dang do- it.
0: Yeah, you gush, down fool. <laughs> um, it's not quite a battle of the sexes. It's more. Um, it's. It's just a weird mix of stuff because, mm. you know, when we were talking about this beforehand, you know, we were, we, you know, we were saying, you know, oh, how many times does she get slapped? Turns out, yeah. once, but by another woman. Um, in fact, she's no,
2: cal- Calamity doesn't get slapped at all. Does she not? No, Calamity slaps um, oh, sh- oh, oh, no. <laughs> many people. We know she slaps she a lot slaps. of people. Um, no, I, be- I believe she slaps. Um... Katie? Katie on the back, quite. well, I mean, she's always slapping people on the back. Yeah. But yeah, apart from getting lifted a number of times and shook a bit, which I did expect, Yeah. I don't think she does. And yeah, I think a lot of what her self-identity is, this sort of story is about comedy self-identity. Mm. Like the claim she makes when she first sees Katie is, I didn't know a woman could look like that. Mm. And later on that I didn't even know how far gone I was until mm. I met you.
0: And that's why I think this film is surprisingly actually quite progressive in a lot of sense. There's a lot of stuff about her, I suppose, her own sort of self-identity, her own psychology, and her sense of that, which I just don't think gets explored in a lot of films from that time period in general, let alone Western musicals. David, Calamity's larger-than-life character um, comes up against some really interesting obstacles in the form of the sort of two main men in her life, those being Wild Bill, uh, Hillcock and, Hickok. and, um, Dan, the, um,
2: uh, Lieutenant. D- yeah. The Lieutenant,
0: mm. L- Lieutenant Dan. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, what did you think of our, of our two, uh, dashing male leads in
1: this? Um, ah, oh, well, like, to be honest at the beginning, I was like, who, who are these people? We don't really spend much time on them mm. other than like, these are the two attractive singing men in the whole town. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly going to... One of them is going to be the love interest. Um, Yeah, and uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant Dan is a dick. He
0: really is. <laughs> he really is. And it kind of slowly evolves over the course of the film, which I quite liked, is mm. that it wasn't obvious that he was a bit of a dick at the beginning. He seemed all right. Um, You know, Bill also seemed like he was a little bit dickish, but mostly okay in terms of this sort of friendship rivalry he had with CJ. But yeah, by the time he's like making out with Katie at the ball and he's like, he knows how CJ feels about him. It's, yeah, I was like, oh no. Oh no, no. Lieutenant. She saved your life, Lieutenant Dan. You don't play her like that.
2: And the woman he's he's clearly like been touching since the cabin, trying to get close to, trying to kiss, mm. has stated multiple times that she's uncomfortable because her best friend in this entire town is very much in love with him and she's worried about that and she's worried about that and, oh, uh, I guess yeah. we'll kiss. And sure, she she likes him, she's in love with him, but he's not picking up on any of those cues at all, mm. which is pretty creepy.
0: Well, is he not picking up on them or is he ignoring them? He's ignoring them, that's, that's, that's true. The, yeah. He's
2: picking up on them plenty and he's just Disreg- disregarding it.
0: It's because it's coming from the female mind. We've already established there's this... She doesn't know what she wants. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird and icky. Um, but It's, <laughs> it's but Lieutenant it, Dan. But it's also... I was surprised how much I actually got invested in the machinations of this like four way relationship cluster darn that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a cluster heck. Yeah, a cluster heck that was happening. Um it was it was fascinating to watch and I think it's just because all the performances in this film are pretty great.
2: Yeah, I feel like um Howard Keel? Howard Keel Howard Keel. Yeah. Yes, yes. Sorry, I was like Howard Steele. No, that's no. Howard uh, Steele yeah. sounds like a it's, superman. It, a it sounds like Daniel Steele. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Howard Keel's performance in this. I feel like whenever I watch it, I'm reminded that even though, yeah, he's a jerk and he does some stuff that is like, like hanging up calamity in the, um, theater.
0: While dressed as a while dressed as a suit woman mm. <laughs> with a
2: baby. Someone let him hold their baby. Why? Mm. Um, all these things yeah, objectively, but he he shows moments of like genuine friendship and tenderness towards her, even just like scenes of him like smiling towards her when she's doing something or like Mm. being invested in stories she's telling. Um, like you're invested in their friendship and the way calamity talks about it, you know, saying, Oh, he's he's the best friend I've ever had Which, you know, when you see them bickering and fighting and yeah, that's the whole seven year seven year itch thing Mm. that's going on. It's like kind of relatable I think for a lot of people's long term friendships (laughs) when they don't have a choice to begin with who they have friends and yeah, that's sort of aggravated. Mm. Well, they will not they?
0: Mm. Of course, the plot, such that it is in Calamity Jane, is this. Um, ooh, the, the, the bar, the local bar, the Golden Garda, has booked what they think is a fabulous lady act, but it turns out that the name Francis uh, can be for a boy or a girl. Uh, Francis Fryer does his best attempt at a drag act, and... It was, pretty, it was pretty fun. Um, it was.
1: He yeah. got really into it. He got after into a crowd while. work.
2: That takes yeah. a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if it wasn't for that darn trombonist, <laughs> he'd have gotten away with it, too. Uh, but the week got knocked off. The town were very angry. Um,
1: some men had to reevaluate some things. Yeah.
0: Hey, he made my, my six shooter move. <laughs> now I'm conflicted.
2: <laughs> there was a remarkable lack of, like,. Um, reprimand like the the owner of the golden garter is like oh my god they're gonna lynch me if they find out i don't have a woman mm. and like they're gonna lynch me if they find out you're not a woman and all this stuff but then when it actually happens the people are frustrated they're pissed off that it's not a woman they're seeing mm. but no one like tars and feathers him no one's like you dirty little pervert like there's all this sort of reaction that you might expect that mm. they're just like Dang, you tricked us. Yeah. Ah, I'm not, never coming here again because there's no... You're not sure if... There's no quality control in this venue. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, well, I mean, Calamity Jane kind of saves their bacon, though. You know, she gets mm. up and says, Gosh Distracts darn it, me. I'm going to go to Chicago and get you that woman off the back of the cigarettes packets. <laughs> um, her abuse of vowels in this film was fabulous. <laughs> I, I, I actually quite enjoyed that. It's,
2: a, it's, it's an eclectic it's, accent it's, she's it's chosen.
1: It's not even the same vowel. Like, you could because like... <laughs> Chicago like I was I did because I was
2: so confused by it and, and you guys kept commenting on it so much I did actually look up the historical names of Chicago to see if perhaps it was early Chicago? times it was Chicago it was a, a local Native American word that the French took mm. and butchered with their own pronunciation and it did used to be spelled differently
0: So maybe it was originally Chicago and then a Frenchman came in and went, It is Chicago! Chicago.
2: (laughs) 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 And they're just, you know, sticking to the the Native American twang. Or like cigarettes, it's just a brand new thing that they do in Deadwood for special fun.
0: Yeah, it's just a calamity
1: jane affectation. (laughs) Like Francis says Chicago straight to to Multiple people (laughs) say Chicago. And she's Mm. like, Chicago? Like
2: (laughs) (laughs) what?
0: Uh, um, So she does go to uh, Chicago to track down
1: to become the best ninja. Yes. 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 (laughs) Believe it.
0: Uh, uh, And also to find uh, Adelaide Adams. Adelaide spelled without an E on the end, uh, which is just another one of those things where it's like Americans, Colour has a U and Adelaide has an E on the end. That's that's just my feelings I've on it. I've
2: never noticed that before. I've been watching this movie since I was maybe six. Mm. and Like multiple times a week as a child. And, it, and obviously I couldn't read very well back then. But I had never noticed, not once, that Adelaide had no E. Mm. Well, Adelaide, it just looks wrong.
0: Adelaide not only had a, no E, she had... Uh, she had no manners. She was very rude mm. uh, to, to her maid, Katie. And essentially, you know, Katie's like, oh, but I have dreams of being on the stage. And she goes, well, that's nice, darling, but you're terrible. <laughs> and you don't have the right equipment. Uh, or whatever it was she said in reference to, I no, guess, was, her body. it was, yes. Yeah, it and was equipment
2: like... equipment is subpar or yeah. along those lines. And it was awful. essentially
0: just like, damn, Adelaide.
2: Or she called her voice... Yeah, not strong enough to get past the footlights. Yeah. And that was sort of, okay, well, maybe Mm. that's fair. I don't know yet. But then you look at this objectively gorgeous person and she's like, the equipment ain't there, darling. You're like... We've all got eyeballs.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're, you're wrong, Adelaide. <laughs> no.
2: Because
0: Katie is, is lovely. You yeah, know, she's yeah. a lovely looking young lady. She's uh, been told that she can have the costumes, though, because Adelaide's off to Europe. She's trying them on. And that is when Calamity Jane walks in. And hilarity ensues because she thinks it's Adelaide. And, ah. Oh, um, Katie
2: she... thinks that Calamity is a man.
0: Yeah. And this is a really interesting thing that I've, I've read going into this film is that Calamity e. Jane is considered a little bit of like a semi-iconic film in sort of LGBT circles for portraying these, these two women and their relationship um, in a way which I guess could be considered a bit gay in a mm. in a positive way.
2: Yeah, I think definitely of the era that I didn't there's really any clear way of knowing how it was coded to be, mm. but definitely looking at it now, you can see, um, yeah, the way their friendship starts and the way they interact with one another and the fact that they begin to live with each other and this cute song they sing. That's about, about a, woman's a woman's touch. touch. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: she ends like one of them's in a dress. <laughs> the other one's wearing flannel and pants. Yeah. It's <laughs> a very butch you
2: know. femme sort of, us uh, like relationship mm. happening and it's pretty dang cute.
0: Yeah. And I've got to say I was, totally on board for that being the the thing that yeah. came out of it you know you if it was if, if it was like a you know they became super best friends and you know they they took on the town of Deadwood or you know it's obviously from the 50s so it's not going to end up in a romantic relationship mm. I'm aware of this but it did feel as though that there was this connection where they were learning things about about being a lady in this time period from each other um, and they really that initial meeting and when they're starting to live together, they really benefit from that. Like, they mm. both grow as as people. Uh, and Calamity in particular, we see a big transition where for the first time in her life, she maybe is comfortable with being, you know, ladylike. It's it's mm.
1: interesting. I have two things to say about this. Okay. <laughs> okay. One, um, there was... Oh, what was it? Pre-code film? Something. It was... Oh, I've forgotten the words. Okay, so, like... Um, There's an era in film before 1933, right, when they didn't have like M rating or whatever. They didn't have a, like a sort of like code of what you should or should not. Oh, you mean be able like to...
0: uh, you know this this movie contains violence and things yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah,
1: no, no, not just that, but like ethical guidelines. Okay, in a sense, from like a societal standpoint. So before 1933 or 32-ish or something. Hmm. Um, You had, like, interracial couples on cinema. You had homosexuals on cinema. You had all these things. And then, like, someone was like, oh, this morally offends me, and, like, walked in and was like, nope, cinema needs to have a bunch of, like, moral codes and ethics, including, like, no gays. Um, If you're going to have a villain, he must have, like, justice at the end. You're not allowed to show him as, like... Getting away with it, that sort of thing. Like mm. you should like cut back on violence and whatnot. And so you know, if this movie had just been been made twenty five years prior, mm. it could be very different. Mm. It could be very gay. It could
0: be. I mean, it, it from my my reading of it was that I felt that this was. I think there was a knowing nod and a wink to the fact that Calamity Jane was a character whose sexuality was not. Just straight. Um, like, you've got the fact, you've got the, you know, the people that when she's walking through the streets of Chicago and there's people looking at her and that woman looks at her and winks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, girl.
2: <laughs> Which is, you know, supposed to play into the fact that um Katie in what like five minutes time is going to think she's a man because yeah. people in Chicago ain't used to this. Yeah. But like, she doesn't look like a man. No. And that doesn't. woman bumps in and into a person who frankly is like wearing pretty scruffy clothes and etc. And is like, wink. Like hmm. even Ooh. if that was a man.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. This this cowboy cowboy hobo is sexy. <laughs> Who yeah. got
2: tricked by the wooden Indian. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um. But also like calamity Jane like uh, moments prior like checks out someone's butt and does not looks swish 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 <laughs> with like uh, <laughs> mm. a, a with the sound effects. Yeah. Accompanying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like I feel I feel as though it's it's it could just be you know that the, the our, our contemporary reading into it where we have a lot more media um, in in the 21st century, which is obviously uh, more open to, you know, discussing uh, sexualities that aren't just um, heteronormative. But it it does just feel as though they're laying it on a bit thick in this film to be kind of going like, I suspect that it's deliberate, essentially. And Mm. I kind of love it for that. (laughs) Because it's quite fun. And it is a bit daring and a bit cheeky. And... I just really loved their interactions and, and I you know I cared for these characters, you know, and how you know Calamity stands up for Katie when she's doing that first performance in Deadwood and it goes horribly mm. wrong and she admits that she's not Adelaide Adams, uh, but she still stands up for her and says like you gotta give her a chance and support your local arts and things <laughs> like that. It's it was just lovely to watch and I, I just really enjoyed those characters and how they interacted.
2: I think it could be very easy to sort of maybe read the synopsis of this and see it as a bit of a My Fair Lady moment for Calamity Jane to sort of see Katie as this woman who has it all together who comes into town and says, well, this is how you're a lady and here you go. But yeah, the stuff Calamity does for Katie, like the fact that you know she's been tricked by this woman, she came in with very pure intentions and this woman lied to her from the beginning of their relationship they went through like this entire journey back to deadwood still under the pretense that this woman is adelaide adams when she's katie brown and um obviously like to some extent maybe calamity is you know trying to save her own hide and be like look at this girl like (laughs) i brought the wrong woman i better defend her but it genuinely feels like she's supporting this person who has lied to her and she's never really met to all extents and purposes. Mm. And it's really beautiful. And Katie is, I mean, the fact that Katie couldn't even go through one performance, like she starts to perform as Adelaide Adams Mm. and breaks down, is so nervous. She's singing terribly. She's like forgetting the timing of the lines and she's stumbling all over the stage. She can't even get through one performance Because she knows it's not genuine. She Mm. knows she's tricking these people and she just can't do it. Like, that's a sweet character. And that friendship is so beautiful.
0: And it ties into, I guess, this sort of overall theme, uh, which runs throughout the film, of becoming comfortable with yourself. Once she has the backing of um, Calamity Jane and she's able to sing not as Adelaide but as Katie, she does a great job. And she people and people apart. love it.
2: Kicks hats off. She
0: kicks, yeah, she's kicking hats all over the place. Some of them look expensive. Uh, she, you know, she and she really blossoms. Similarly, we see the same thing with Calamity Jane. Mm. That you know, at the end of the film, when she and Bill have have hooked up and she's finally like been able to express this love, and she does the 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 big key song from this film, the Secret Love. Um, it's you know, she's she is free from the burdens of of trying to hide this from. From everyone around her. And I think that's a real sort of central message for this film about people, specifically Calamity, getting to be themselves and how important that is.
2: Mm. Even the costume development, I think, reflects that. You yeah. see Calamity go from a super stained suede thing that she wears the entire time, you never see her change her outfit, mm. to <clears throat> wearing some dresses that Katie picks for her and like the beginning of their friendship. And she seems comfortable in, but like it's not really Calam. And then you get to the end after yeah when she's singing Secret Love, um, and she's wearing this gorgeous suit with like a white shirt. It's mm. super clean. It's crisp. She looks great, but it's it's her version of femininity, and I think that's a really cool part of this movie is mm. that journey through costume she and self-expression. Keeps,
1: she keeps the pants. She
2: keeps the pants though, which is great. You mm. Got great legs on this girl.
0: Of course. The big number, Secret Love, as we mentioned before, uh, this is the, the Oscar winning mm. uh, song from this film. Uh, and Anna, you, you, was it fair to say you were having a moment when the song was playing? And Absolutely. Do you frequently have moments when you hear this song?
2: I have moments where I like, hear this song in my own head, mm. frequently in the shower, um, constantly in the car. I have... Almost three facts about this song that I would like to share. And I know that's a lot, but I'll get through them really quickly. No,
0: no. But by all means, take take your time. Luxuriate. We're not doing Calamity Jane again. It's it's a one-off deal. That's a good point.
2: That's a very good point. Um, Number one, I was in a car crash to the soundtrack of this movie. Really? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So I wasn't driving. My mother was driving. And we were in her VW convertible on a bridge on a sunny afternoon. And we were listening to the soundtrack of Calamity Jane Mm -hmm. because we both love it. And um, I think we were singing along to the beginning of this refrain, like the, no, sh-, the shout it from the highest hills bit. Hmm. We got rear-ended <laughs> by a woman who had actually gone unconscious oh, because God. she had a brain tumour that she didn't know about. Um, she's fine now. We found out from her children, <laughs> which was great. Okay, um, So that was cool. I couldn't listen to the musical for a while after that. Um, That's fair. But I'm back on the bandwagon now for sure. Okay, cool. Um, my second fact is that The two gentlemen who wrote this song, Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Hain, who composed the music Mm -hmm. of the whole musical, and Mr. Webster, who wrote the lyrics. yep. Yep, Paul Webster. Um, Mr. Webster of this duo went on to write the lyrics to the Spider-Man theme song. Really? He really did.
0: <laughs> he He's the man who penned, does whatever a spider can.
2: He did that wow. in whatever way a spider could, he did.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Um, he also wrote the lyrics for two, uh, well, in total three, including Secret Love, but three Oscar winning songs. So he's got that Oscar, that Oscar taste, this nice. man.
1: What are the other ones?
2: One was from The Sandpiper. Um, Uh And the other was from Gone with the Wind? No, I could be wrong. They weren't songs I knew the titles of.
0: The uh, songs by Paul Francis Webster Mm -hmm. that have won the Academy Award for Best Original Song are 1953, Secret Love. In 1955, Love is a Many Splendid Thing. And in 1965, The Shadow of Your Smile. Yes. So, pretty good. And he's been nominated Mm -hmm for a whole bunch a more a
2: bunch more.
1: He, he, man loves
2: love mm. he was an incredible lyricist um so that's pretty cool and obviously a, a love a lover of spider-man or perhaps just paid to do it who knows <laughs>
0: <laughs> could be one or the other i choose i choose to believe he loves spider-man, he Spider-Man. I was like, let me do it
2: yeah his secret love of spider-man
1: yeah <laughs> I will bring fame to this this spider boy.
2: <laughs> um, my third and final fact is that um, <clears throat> the day of the recording of this song in the studio, um, Doris Day did her vocal warm-ups at home, and she cycled to the studio where they had been practicing with the orchestra for this whole piece, and she talked to um, Mr. Hayne and Mr. Weber, and they were like, oh, we'll just do a quick one with the orchestra, but we won't record it, you know, just get out the jitters and everything and she was like no i love this song like this song really affected me let's just do it let's record it and they did and that is the take you hear in the movie and that is the only take they did she loved this song mm. and um i just love that i feel like you can really tell in the film when yeah she's singing it and when she's performing it
0: i i had read before that that song was recorded in a single take mm. and it's pretty phenomenal that she managed to, to belt the that emotion out in it. and uh, I suppose this is as good a time as any to to touch on Doris herself um you know ob- obviously it's it's sad that she passed it's mm. it's you know when someone passes away at an age, at the age of 97 it's it's hardly a tragedy in that sense because it's a, it's a long life well lived and you look back on just the length of her career um and the quality that was in it as well um I have to admit I've not seen a huge amount of Doris Day's work and the thing I'm most familiar with is obviously her version of Caesar's Sarah. Yes. Um but she's clearly a phenomenal talent. Um I don't I, what are your your sort of thoughts on on Doris in general as a performer?
2: I I was thinking yesterday and I was trying to think what other movies of hers I had seen and I could only think of one. Um, that I can remember, and it was a movie called, I believe, T for Two, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and it was awful, unfortunately. She was fine, but it was very much a vehicle for stars, as was in that period, you just churned out um, movies with this person and that person just to keep them on your contract because you had them, Mm. and it was also for a vehicle for a pre-existing song that sort of felt jammed into this musical that wasn't very good, Mm. Um, but she was still fantastic. Actually, no, I think I have seen Pillow Talk and I think that was good (laughs) I lie but no I think I think she's incredible and I was after she passed I was I was reading up about her and I think there was something really interesting in in her Wikipedia article talking about sort of the decline of her career sort of in the in the mid-60s really people were no longer interested in what she was bringing to the table they were sort of saw what she had as infantile and far too innocent and everyone was sort of interested in Sort of the sexual revolution that was beginning and that was the sort of cinema they wanted to see but I think sort of seeing that written down and realising that yeah what she had was this incredible passionate, not necessarily innocence, I don't think she was like an ingenue by any means but just this like I think this spirit that was really pure and excited like she's playing this character who's a complete wild card, who is rough and tumble and not um, rude to people around her but brash Mm. for sure but she still has that really glorious, like when Bill Hickok says that he trusts her to bring Adelaide Adams back from Chicago. She's like, really? You believe in me that much? She's got that sort of energy, that really like powerful core of belief. And I feel like whether that was inherent in her herself, I've never seen any interviews with her. And I think that would be really cool. But she seems to have that really beautiful um, yeah, pure, passionate, like, belief and driving force in all of her characters.
0: I think she was also a bit unfortunate in terms of around the time that... Because you're right, her career is sort of considered as being, like, her big film career, kind Mm. of stopping in the mid 60s and a lot of that is actually partly tied to obviously her age and the fact that you know Hollywood at the time were very much like um oh, it's a woman over a certain age <laughs> yikes that's it <laughs> you um, got any
2: witches any parts for witches guys yeah
0: yeah um but also her third husband uh Martin Melcher uh passed away oh the
2: debt yeah. yes
0: and she was bankrupt um she had no idea until after he died that they were basically they had no money um and so she was essentially not only like her husband had just died but she was destitute Mm. and he had also without her knowledge essentially signed her up to do a television show which became the doris day show which she did for five years that's awful and she was essentially she had to do that job Mm. because that was the only thing that was going to earn her money to like survive this period and that obviously really affected her career in terms of big movie parts um yeah like you know she she did have a rough go of it but you know she you know hung in there and you know made it all the way to 2019
2: and no that's incredible i think she was the last surviving cast member of calamity jane
0: she was indeed mm. um because um alan mccleary who played um katie passed away at the end of last year um mm. so yeah they were the, the last two i believe uh chubby johnson who played rattlesnake <laughs> Uh wow, my favourite Not, didn't quite make it He only made it to 1974 Oh, Chubby Yeah Oh Yeah But I, I like, one out. Which one was he? He was the, he was the coach driver Rattlesnake
2: was oh. the coach driver, yeah. yeah She kept chucking things to him and saying, Rattlesnake And she could have just been talking about something on the ground It yeah. would have been hard to tell, he to be He had fair. so
1: many lines Yeah <laughs> 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 Women, me <laughs> Wait, doesn't
2: Calamity whip him around the face? Yeah, yeah. That's Rattlesnake Yeah so he put his face on the line for this movie that's the artist's tool mm. what a what a sacrifice
1: yeah what a beautiful man yeah
0: he was one of uh, seven assaults that CJ committed oh, no. <laughs> during the course of this film and that was easily the most uh, visually striking because mm. he gets that whip right around the head it
2: could have gone wrong so easily yeah what? why
1: don't we rank them rank rank the assaults <laughs> um, Let's not. <laughs> Does the back
2: slapping I mean... count? Did you count the back
1: I, I didn't really
0: count the back slapping. I counted like face and head slaps. Uh...
2: Sort of a microaggression, the back slapping. Yeah,
0: yeah. Microaggressions I didn't count, whether or not I was right or not. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. I was going, just going for more of the ones that made me go, ooh. Oh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't like that. Yeah.
0: Hey. <laughs> Calm down, Jane. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, we, like the bit we where do... she kicks the man
1: off the stage as he's trying to come up.
0: Yeah, that was definitely on there. Um, The... One of the things that we touched on beforehand, when we were saying how sexist is the film you went, not as bad as it is racist, because mm. um, obviously we have there the I believe it's pronounced Injuns, uh, the Native Americans, um, yes. who are essentially just in this film to act as sort of like a a a a, a vague non-specific threat. Um,
2: it's very non-specific. That yeah, really hit me. Because you see, yeah. a member of the Sioux tribe in town on multiple occasions, yeah. standing and watching, and no one ever addresses the disparity of oh, well, there are some people who live within the town, and then the others. There's n- there's no explanation, and I don't know if that's an historical American barrier that we're not picking up on, like oh, well, everyone knows what happened in Dakota. Yeah, I it, don't have it, a clue. It,
0: it very much felt, David, um, as though that they essentially, when piecing this together, essentially went. Oh, we need a set piece. What's an Old West set piece? We use Native Americans to, to uh, fill the back of their wagon with arrows so they look like a porcupine. Yeehaw! Um, yeah. <laughs> that was
1: such a confusing part of the film to me because just there's just a scene where they just rock up and Calamity is like, I'm going to shoot them now and that's it. And then, like, she leaves. But then, like... What's his name? Bill is just dressed like one of them. Well, he and lost he, the bet. No, so,
2: yeah, no, no. But he didn't
1: just yeah. dress like one. He, like, sort of convinced a whole family just to hang out with
2: him. <laughs> yeah, they left when he was like, oh, I'm done with this. I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. We didn't come here for any other reason, apparently. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. like, are they getting paid? Like, does he know these people personally? <laughs> he was personally? Holding like, their baby. Like, mm.
0: What? I will admit, that was real weird. Um, <laughs> it was like, like you uh, just, okay.
1: Just like walks up to a bunch of like Native Americans just out of town. It's like, hey, I lost. Can a I bet. hold your baby, and <laughs> also, can you weird. give me your clothes?
2: It's not for. Don't be weird I think about he, it, guys.
0: Yeah, I think he essentially went, "Look, guys, I lost a bet," and they're like, "We know. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna come and watch this." Um, but yeah, I, it was it was one of those things where. Because, obviously, uh, films from the 50s in America and westerns uh, form a lovely Venn diagram. Where in the middle of it is Mm. the word racist depictions. In the grand uh, tradition of these sorts of films, I was not terribly shocked by anything that they did.
2: I don't think they play enough of a character to be... Tr- not, not truly offended obviously it's offensive yeah, it's, but yeah. no one ever comes forward and speaks in a horrible like over affect affect oh god no one comes forward and speaks in a horribly affected accent yeah there's no main character who's like a drunk there's no one trading with another person like yeah there's none of these sort of horrible stereotypes that you see they're just around and being killed yeah that's it and that's awful but that is it
0: it's 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 a weird depiction.
2: Yeah. And yeah. Semi present, you know? Semi
1: present. Yeah. And I, also like there's this really weird moment where she's like, Oh, this country is so beautiful. No wonder the Native Americans are fighting so hard to like <laughs> save to keep it. it. Anyway, and it just keeps going. No, and like- then they
2: sing about how beautiful it is. <laughs> yeah. And like, God, it's so lovely and we live here but only because we oppress the natural people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so
0: strange. It's extremely strange, and yet at the same time, not surprising at all. It is. It is one of those things that just. It it's it's really odd. It, you just sit mm. there the whole time, kind of going, "I'm uncomfortable," but I'm not sure for which specific reason, uh, <laughs> because there's a lot competing right now. Um, yeah, it's. But it was interesting it, in one way. You're right. They didn't do any of the, you know, someone's walking around saying um, or you know, mm. saying I'm chief, runs with water or whatever. You know, they doing those sorts of offensive st- stereotypes. But on the other hand, I think the fact that they treat them more as almost like an environmental, like a
2: prop or a set piece, yeah, like piece. like, like so right. it, yeah, you, yeah. Could,
0: you could have replaced the attacks um, on the carriages with like some wolves. You know, you could have had some wolves running around, biting, get the. It was supposed to
2: have that much of an emotional impact. There was no emotional impact of seeing them die or like the fight beyond, oh, we're in danger and we must escape. Yeah. That was it.
0: And that. Is almost worse. They, yeah, they, they they're are...
2: not even people, seemingly.
0: Yeah. And, I, I, you know, obviously, Calamity Jane, I don't think, is a film that's trying to talk about race relations in America at this particular I don't time. Think. No. <laughs> well, look, they were focusing very much, uh, at least I'm hoping, they were focusing very much on a gay agenda that they were playing that's around true. And with.
2: a woman's role in society. Yeah.
0: And, you know, that's, you know, you can't have more than one agenda happening at one time. <laughs> I, I hope, you know. Ooh. That's like a disabled person of colour. Yeah. What? I, what unrealistic. are they trying to achieve? <laughs> yeah. So it was. Yeah, it was one of those things where it is something that when you go back and watch a film from this time period, sadly, you know, it is to be expected, Um, but it was, and even more sadly, none of it was particularly that surprising. It
2: kind of feels almost like (laughs) budget may have gotten in the way of them really getting deep into that. Mm. that racist grain which they probably would have been like oh wouldn't it be great if we had this big scene at an indian camp mm. and and there was someone with a huge headdress and there was someone like it almost just feels like oh we don't really have time to delve into that let's just we don't really have the budget yeah. so let's just let's just talk a few people around like
0: we'll just tie bill to a tree loosely
2: yeah <laughs> really shitty camp. and jane
0: can just scare them off by firing a gun in the air yeah
2: and pretend she's killed yeah five or six of them and that'll be fine
0: yeah, it was it was interesting. And uh, again, you know, you, when you're making films about this time period, there is obviously the fact you have to have the somewhat of the historical accuracy of the fact that the settlers were really, really shitty. Sorry, really, really uh, hecking bad towards <laughs> uh, the natives of the land. Yes. Um, ultimately, this, this film ends in a double wedding, um, mm. which I'll be honest,
2: yeah, it was
1: fine. Uh, it's just a
2: very neat bow to put on something, isn't yeah,
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but this brings up a very important part, like about musicals, right? When a song happens, space time warps, right? Like things can manifest and be destroyed. Like once the music starts,
2: magic happens. Yeah, it's a whole of a- yeah, yeah, music. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And this happens, like this isn't doesn't happen too much in the film, but it happens in like two important points, like where they are just like woman's touch and they fix up the house, right? And then, like, Denton goes to the, the Golden Garden He's like, I want to see the lady. Uh, <laughs> the one we have. <laughs> we have but one.
2: And,
1: and so the owner is like, she doesn't, she's not <laughs> staying here. She's with Clammy Jane. I'm going to make a sign. <laughs> yeah. And there's no, there's no way that he was just like, yeah, I'm going to wait a month and a half before i visit her which is like the reasonable <laughs> amount of time to like do all these home he's waiting for
2: that painting to be finished yeah
1: and so like it sort of within the fiction he saw her yesterday and then he like just rocks up and is like oh you have magically grown plants yeah next to
0: your windowsill and re- renovated this whole house yeah it's like that tiny houses program on netflix it's just they've they've <laughs> done it all <laughs> It feels like it's been twenty minutes, but realistically eight weeks has passed, guys. Yeah.
1: And then like Clammy Jane like realizes, Oh, Dan's Dan's not the one for me. I'll oh, I'll go for Bill. There's a song and then they're married. And there's just that just like yep. The time really, has just
0: Do you really want dust. to hang around and watch half an hour of, like, Wedding prep with, like, Francis Fryer walking around town oh decorating things and going, well, in Chicago, we do it like this. <laughs> well, we ain't in Chicago, Francis. Now hang it like this.
2: Also, quick note. How does... So Francis Fryer knows pretty quickly after Katie gets there that she's not Adelaide Adams. Yeah. But before she goes out on stage, he completely throws her off because he says, oh, good luck out there, Katie. Yeah. How does he know her name? She's an assistant to Adelaide Adams.
1: Who played in a different theatre A different theatre, same mm. week,
2: in St. Louis, I think they said? Yeah,
0: I'm guessing he, probably after she was changed, he probably snuck into the dressing room and, like, investigated <laughs> yeah, some of this stuff. I, like, I think Francis Fry was like, might hmm, It could
2: be a separate movie, which is just Francis Fry being like, I'm in this crazy, crazy-ass town. Yeah. And he's a little sort of noir detective I'm boy. I'm going to swindle
1: them all. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i
2: can't act for shit yeah pretty (laughs) much
1: he's the rosencrantz of this (laughs) this film. (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's a completely different perspective yeah he's um
0: yeah i'm not sure how that worked Mm. but
2: i feel like there's a case for like yeah his little sort of detective story Hmm. and i also feel like there's a case for katie being like a genuine witch okay (laughs) with powers explain um well okay so she rocks up um she does, tra- her performance transforms between Adelaide Adams' fake performance to Katie Brown. I'm very, very good at this all of a sudden, and I can mm-hmm. kick hats off people's heads like it's nothing, mm. which is very cool. But mostly, I feel like the thing that always gets me every time I watch it is when she begins to paint the door at Calamity's apartment, uh, apartment cabin, <laughs> cabin in the woods, yeah. Um and the door, when you see it, has these giant holes in it, like bits where the wood has warped inwards and been mm. kicked kicked out by calamity or whatever. Or shot
0: when she was yeah, gonna she was gonna shot open the she... door. Bang, bang, <laughs> get the through, it. boys. This door ain't opening. Bang.
2: <laughs> um, and then she starts to paint it with this yeah pot of yellow paint that just happens to be there. And then as the door closes, it's a perfectly solid wood door.
0: Maybe she just painted that many layers. She just the, the... <laughs> <laughs> it's a real
2: thing. It's... She has no idea how to use paint. <laughs> She's yeah. just trying her best. um Um, and all of the stuff in the house like the this is a a town full of men um and you know she just suddenly has all this wonderful fabric maybe she cut dresses up could be she's probably not a witch but i do think she is magical
0: she certainly is she she isn't an enchanting air about her, which attracts both the men and I'm arguing Jane as well.
2: Absolutely,
1: she is the crux in which the the musical magic congregates her and rotates around. So she it, is the one bending space time. Does she
0: know that she's doing it though? Is it like inherent abilities, like a sorcerer, or is it like learned, like a
1: wizard? Like she just starts singing and just blacks out, and she's like, "Oh, well, everything's a lot nicer now." That's weird. Anyway,
2: I love yeah. it when that happens. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, Would you
0: guys like some trivia about Calamity Jane? Yes. Yes. Okie dokie. This is where we uh, go on to IMDb and we go for their trivia section. Some weeks it takes ages. (laughs) This week, not so much. Uh, It is very short. Anna Anna already told us the interesting facts.
2: Uh, There's one more in there that I'm sure Stephen will find.
0: Yes. Uh, Warner Brothers studio head Jack Warner decided to make Calamity Jane after he tried and failed to buy the movie rights to Annie Get Your Gun. Uh, he originally wanted to do Annie Get Your Gun with Doris Day in the title role. Um, so when they lost the rights, he went, fine.
2: Uh, <laughs> we'll write a new one. Yeah,
0: essentially. And they mm. went, okay, let's pick another one. Let's pick Calamity Jane. Uh, and they also hired Howard Keel, who, of course, appears in Annie Get Your Gun. Or he was in Annie Get Your Gun. Yeah, so Alongside
2: he's... Betty Hutton, who they got instead of um, Doris Day.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, he was just like, I'll make my own Annie <laughs> Get Your Gun. He
2: plays incredibly similar characters. He even has a song with Annie... Called, I mean, it's a
0: very famous song. Um, <laughs> so famous that it's so famous completely that gone.
2: It's a very silent and quiet song. It's um, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. Oh, is that from that? That's from And Get Your right. Gun and Howard Keel and Betty Hutton sing it together. Hmm. And it mirrors very closely to I Can Do Without You. Yeah, It's two people yelling at each other about how much they dislike each other or ex- giving each yeah. other like angry heart eyes, um, talking about how pissed off they are at the other one and how much better they are and they're the worst and I'm the best Yeah. and um, yeah I think even people quite often get those two songs mixed up because of Howard Keel being in both of them Right. both of the other actresses looking quite similar playing very similar characters playing female guns- gunslingers mm. um, and those movies are only three years apart so yeah cool uh,
0: during early 1954 music from this film reigned supreme in Billboard number one amongst the singles was uh, the Doris Day trademark Secret Love uh, the Doris Day Howard Keel 10 inch LP of songs from the score which was issued by Columbia Records zoomed to second place on the album charts as well so this was this was it really hit it. this was the A oh. Star Is Born of their day
2: yeah and for a for a well, movie I mean, musical
0: A Star Is Born was the Star Is Born of their <laughs> day uh, sorry sorry because <laughs> the the definitive Lady Gaga edition <laughs> is what I mean the be mean. all end all yeah. Okay, not
1: not the not the first remake. second or third review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: The Western street exteriors seen here as Deadwood City have been used in many films uh, previously. And uh, one of the films that it appears in was as War Torn Atlanta in Gone with the Wind.
2: Yeah, that was the other factor, I know. Because they just reused Western sets. (laughs) Because why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, why not? Uh, The saloon interior was designed by Harper Goff, who also designed for Disneyland. Oh, wow. Including the interior of the Golden Horseshoe Saloon at Disneyland, which looks quite yes. similar yes.
1: to um to the Golden Garder.
2: Yeah, that whole like um what is it? American Street? You what what's it called?
1: Street of America? Yeah, sure. which has been replaced <laughs> by yeah by yeah, the Star Wars land? Yes. Galaxy's Edge.
2: The Star Wars land replaced America. We don't need America anymore. We only need need Star Wars. I just
1: want to know,
0: did they keep the Golden Horseshoe Saloon? But like, they've just got the guys and they're going... (laughs) They have put space
2: drinks behind the bar. They've Mm. got alien sarsaparilla now.
0: (laughs) Uh, The final bit of trivia. uh, Day's performance inspired the look and voice for Jesse from the Toy Story films.
2: Did they sneak a Chicago in there? i haven't watched that movie in a long time
0: i don't recall if jesse she, she definitely
2: cowgirl. talks about Sasparilli.
0: yeah but apparently yeah jesse the cowgirl is based on calamity jane
2: that's so good of course she is hmm.
0: all right ladies and gentlemen that brings us to the end of this episode all that remains is to score the film so anna oh my goodness this is your first appearance on the show so david is going to show you how it's done what score are you going to give calamity
1: jane out of 10 Oh, I feel like my girlfriend, who adores this film, will
2: no, be very just disappointed. free of judgment. That. Say okay. what you feel. Free,
1: free oh, judgment, yeah. David yes. and
0: Anna are dating. We never mentioned this at any oh, point in no, the oh, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it about two and a half years. Um,
2: <laughs> Whenever there's been silence, we've just been passionately making out. And Stephen has just been just dealing with it like yeah, a champ. It's, it's, so thank you. Look, For I, your professionalism, we have been very unprofessional.
0: I love Love Guys. It's all good. <laughs> uh, David, what score are you going to give Calamity Jane out of 10?
1: Uh, seven or eight. One of those which one i don't know <laughs> that's the problem i'm not really good at oh uh, let's go with seven seven okay yes.
0: seven, seven is pretty good it was it was pretty good um anna what score are you giving calamity jane out of 10
2: i think i think i'll have to go with an eight mm. yes i really love it but i know a lot of that is for nostalgia reasons i think it's a good fast-paced film mm. i don't think it drags on um There's racism, so it's getting an eight.
0: Yeah, I I agree. There are certain bits where you look at it and you go, well, that's not acceptable. Um, But I think it is also important to take into context the time that it was made and the intention um, behind these things. Sometimes the intention is racist, and you do have to take that into into account. Um, But as far as Western musicals go, um, I I liked it. I I thought this was a really fun film. I, I honestly didn't know what to expect going into this one. And I just found myself 20 minutes in going, I am digging this film. This is this is fun. Um, th- there are some issues and we didn't really discuss uh, during our review. The fact that at certain points, the camera is clearly not in focus. And at other points, there's weird color distortion, particularly at the wedding, where the dresses mm. are changing
1: colors. I think that's just an element of film. It yeah. may have been like the flicker of the lights or something. Well, um, the fact
2: that um, Doris Day breaks the fourth wall twice.
0: I mean, that was pretty cool.
2: That was pretty interesting. And I, yeah, had no memory of that as a child.
1: Hmm. She just does it.
2: um, Maybe she's the witch. (laughs) She controls it all.
1: I got to say, this is the best Western musical I have ever seen (laughs) and the best
0: Doris Day film I have ever seen. Excellent. Well, you just wait till we get you on for Paint Your Wagon and you can (laughs) do the comparison. (laughs) Uh, But the score that I would give this film, uh, I would give Calamity Jane seven Chicagis out of ten. Believe it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> David and Anna, this was tremendously good fun. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Cantrip Club.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having us.
0: And for those of you listening at home, stop making out YouTube. Uh, <laughs> and for those of you listening at
2: home, mm,
0: mm. oh, it's worse. <laughs> And for those of you listening at home, uh, hey, we have a Facebook page. If you're not on it, well, uh, gosh darn, you should be. You can like the page and get updates and some extra bonus things. Comment, leave your own reviews. Tell us what was your favourite bit of Calamity Jane. Just go to Facebook and search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast. We're also available to be subscribed to on iTunes or SoundCloud or other podcasting and podcatching services. And of course, there is our Patreon. For extra bonus content, you can sign up and become a genuine member of the club itself. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ccucpodcast and pick your level there. But that's all for this week, so until next time Make minor Sasperilli, Give me some cigarettes! Yeehaw! Go to Chicago!